BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Are the old world picturesque shores of Europe calling you? Set sail on an adventure with Avalon Waterways. Enjoy an elevated cruising experience. Avalon Waterways offers smaller ships, bigger experiences with fewer people and more of, well, everything good about river cruising. Don't just dream about quaint towns and cobblestone villages. See them for yourself and make lasting memories. Discover limited time offers today at avalonwaterways.com. Brought to you by the first ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Hello, friends. Jack, Flight School O'Brien here, uh, also known as Jack. Still can touch Ned if I get a running start and haven't eaten heavy breakfast to O'Brien. Uh, both nicknames that I go by. Inviting you to check out Miles and Jack Got Mad Boosties for a weekly basketball conversation with me and my co-host from the Daily Zeitgeist, Miles Gray. We are joined by comedians, writers, podcasters, and fellow NBA fans as we discuss the latest news and events from around the league. Check it out. Miles and Jack Got Mad Boosties. Brought to you by the first ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Welcome to the Hornets Hivecast, the official podcast of your Charlotte Hornets. Here's your host, Sam Farber. Welcome to another edition of the Hornets Hivecast, your daily podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team, the Charlotte Hornets. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us once again on the HHC winning edition today. Hornets claiming a 107-94 victory over the Detroit Pistons, but the biggest win for Charlotte, for Hornets fans everywhere, is the return of LaMelo Ball and Malik Monk. The depth is back for this team. They finally have some additional resources, if you will, for head coach James Borrego and his staff to play with out there on the floor as they head down the stretch and The stretch run continues tonight. Hornets are going to take on the Miami Heat. So we'll break down last night's game, preview tonight's, and go in-depth on the return of LaMelo Ball and what it really means to help me do this. He was in the anchor chair a couple of days. Glad to have him with me here. Rob Longo back with us on the HHC. And Rob, let's get right into it. It's a little difficult to decipher just how big a win this was because Detroit's not very good. They're 19-45. and They started three rookies last night. I think it's a rule in the Motor City that if you're over the age of 24, you're not allowed to play at this point. But all that being said, Hornets basically led this thing wire to wire and at times had a very convincing and almost always comfortable margin. It was a pretty okay start for the most part. I mean, the first quarter was one to forget for both teams. Both teams combined to go 0 for 10 from beyond the arc. Detroit hit the first three, about four and a half minutes left to go in the first quarter. Hornets didn't even make a three until the second quarter, and then they started to heat up from there. At one point, hit three out of four three-pointers. Terry Rozier started to heat up. That was good to see. Terry finally turned a corner. He's been in that little bit of a shooting slump, but... Yeah, there wasn't much to complain about in the first half. Second half was a little lackadaisical, too many turnovers. But all in all, 
It was just great to see LaMelo ball back on the floor. Great to see Malik Monk come off the bench as well. Two very vital keys to this team, especially coming down the stretch run here. It might work into the favor of the Hornets that these injuries happen at the time that they are because they might be one of the fresher teams across the association because you have a guy like LaMelo Ball who hasn't played in 21 games. Malik Monk hasn't played in 15 games. So, you know, being well-rested at this point of the year is definitely a luxury. And let's keep in mind, there is the hope that at some point, Gordon Hayward will be able to return as well, and he might make the biggest impact in the here and now because, you know, while LaMelo obviously had an impact, and we'll go into in depth on him in the next segment, but while he obviously had an impact and Malik Monk had an impact, no one is at the peak of their playing ability right now in terms of their career as much as Gordon Hayward is. So uh, this team might just be getting even better and better as things go along. Terry Rozier ended up with 29 points in the victory. Really got back into his shooting rhythm. He was not shooting the ball well, to say the least. He had admitted it. The previous two games, he was a whopping 6% from three. He was one for 15. That's 6.6% from beyond the arc. He got rid of that number in a hurry, going eight for 15 from distance in last night's ball game, including... A one that was just a highlight reel. One-on-one with Killian Hayes. Drives right side. Up with a right-hand runner. Stewart spikes it away. Rozier recovers. One on the shot clock. Let's it fly. Yes! Terry Rozier! 32-footer! Terry Rozier with that one now has made 199 threes on the season. One away from being the seventh individual season in franchise history with 200 joining, amongst others, Devontae Graham, who did it last season. The thing that impressed me most about Terry last night was the fact that he was a plus 29 on the floor. Yeah, he had 29 points, but the fact that he was even with that amount of points that he scored was really impressive. Seven rebounds, four assists as well. He's not just a shooter. I mean, we always talk about Miles Bridges being more than just a dunker, and we'll get to Miles here in a few minutes. But, you know, Terry Rozier is the same way. He's not just a shooter. He can facilitate. He talked about how he is a point guard by nature several times, especially when the guard depth, the point guard depth was really, really low with all of the injuries that the Hornets had the past couple weeks. So it's great to see Terry turn the corner. Couldn't happen at a better time. Well, for Terry, he's only going to get better as the team gets better around him. For the last couple of weeks here, Terry Rozier has been LeBron James without, you know, AD around. There's been no one to take that pressure off, so defenses are focused on him. It's been getting harder and harder and harder for him to find his open looks, and to his credit, he continually did it until this last two-game run where he must have been out of gas because every night it was, Terry, save us, Terry, save us, and there was very few other guys out there to really take the pressure off. Miles Bridges has been spectacular statistically. Devontae Graham's had a great run. P.J. Washington's had big games. But if you look at what the opponents are doing in terms of who the focal point is, it was Terry every single night. So now having LaMelo Ball out there for more creativity, more scoring for Malik Monk, and you had those other guys still playing well, it takes some of the pressure off Terry Rozier. It makes him that much more formidable of an opponent if you're coming in to play the Hornets here in the Queen City. Another guy who is made better, he's been the running mate for LaMelo Ball this entire season. The Airbnb combo was back in effect. It's LaMelo Ball and Miles Bridges. Miles ended up with 27 points last night, seven rebounds, four assists, shot 11 of 16 from the field. 
Only made one three, but, I mean, he's been so strong really this entire time. Head coach James Borrego talked after the game about one of the most preposterous passes we've seen all season, a full-court underhand, uh, I've heard it called like a bowling ball lob, but it's more like a wild softball pitch from the circle that ends up getting launched over the backstop and then falls perfectly into a moving car that is intending to catch it. It was a ridiculous, ridiculous pass. JB talked afterwards about the Airbnb combo. Well, he's gotten comfortable, much comfortable in our half-court offense, you know, so he's going to continue to find that rhythm there. Uh, where he's going to find some easy ones is going to be in transition. I think you saw it in the first half there, some kick ahead, some early stuff. You know, Melo, Melo you know, he really ignites our break, our, our fast break, our pace, and, and Miles is going to be a recipient of a number of those. So, I expect Miles to continue finding some early ones in transition, but as as we saw again tonight, you know he was very efficient in the half court as well. So that's you know that's what happens when you have that sort of opportunity when those guys are out. He's found some rhythm there, and um, you know I expect that to continue both in the half court and, and in transition. Miles looked good with Lamelo. PJ Washington I thought looked very good. It's going to be interesting. Again, we'll continue on Lamelo later. The one area that I was expecting to see a boost and it didn't really happen last night for whatever reason was bench scoring you know the team has not had a ton of it consistently mostly because they have not had a lot of guys to turn to on the bench I mean they're turning to different people in different roles who just don't have that track record of being consistent scorers I thought with Malik Monk coming back you know this would be a night where this team would easily get to 30 points off the bench, and it just didn't really happen. They were a net negative in terms of bench production, but that's really nitpicking. You know, I think it will get easier as things go along, and as Malik Monk gets, you know, back into, you know, his normal form, he looked pretty good out there with 11 points, and of course, when Gordon Hayward comes back, whoever it is that joins the bench will end up being a major contributor in terms of scoring, and Devontae Graham also sat out last night's game, so all in all, Really positive effort, but there are still certainly some things to work on because a bad Detroit team was within a couple of possessions in the final five minutes there. Yeah, it got a little hairy down the stretch, but to your point about the bench scoring, Malik Monk did end up having 11 points. Jalen McDaniels played pretty well as well. He almost ended up with a double-double, in fact. I mean, he had nine rebounds, and then he had seven points, so he was a three-pointer away and a rebound from being one of those productive guys off the bench. And in all honesty, the bench really didn't play a whole lot. I mean... The rotation got kind of short, and I think it was only an eight-man rotation through the first half, and then Brad Wanamaker came on and played 12 minutes in the second half. So, you know, we didn't expect to see LaMelo Ball for 28 minutes last night, but he ended up getting to that point. But, yeah, Miles Bridges has just played really well the last 14 games. This is Miles' stat line the last 14 games, which I don't believe it's where Gordon Hayward got hurt since Gordon Hayward's injuries, but it's around that same time. Last 14 games for Miles Bridges. 20.7 points per game, 7.3 rebounds per game, 3.1 three-pointers per game, 54, 44, 84. You talked about his foul shooting so much during a broadcast that he's almost getting to 90, especially in the last 14 games. Four out of the last five games, he's had 20 or more points. Just a phenomenal run by Miles Bridges. It is. There's nothing bad to say about Miles Bridges. He's been spectacular. The only thing I'll throw into the argument is this, and I've heard it from the guys on FNZ, And, you know, like, you know, how can you sit Miles? How can you potentially maneuver him around? I'm not advocating for sitting Miles. I'm just throwing this out there. In games that 
Miles Bridges has started, which is now up to 15 games. The team is 6-9. and nine. In games that Gordon Hayward has played in, played in, they are 25-19. and 19. That is a, a pretty good sample size and a pretty marked difference. Now, that doesn't mean in every one of the 25 wins, Gordon Hayward scored 30 points and led them to victory. It doesn't mean that in every one of the nine losses, Miles Bridges made a mistake that cost them the game. That's not what I'm saying here. It's the equivalent to Devontae Graham has had a really strong run shooting the basketball. He did not not end up in the starting lineup because of the injury. That was announced before he was even a late scratch. It's because LaMelo Ball brings something unique to the table, and they want to tap into that with the starting group. And Devontae has the capability of being the same spark plug, the same facilitator off the bench. The only thing I would say right now, I don't know who it is that's going to go to the bench. I don't think it will be Gordon Hayward. When Gordon Hayward is back, I don't think he's the one that you're going to say, hey, can you come in and bring this off the bench? Miles Bridges has been great as a starter. He's been great coming off the bench. I think he'll be in the finishing five more often than not out there. Um, But I don't know that it's as clear cut that if everyone is healthy, that Miles Bridges has to start. I think it's actually more of a feather in his cap and, and further demonstrates how good he is that he doesn't have to start to be as effective as he's been. All I'm going to say is I do not envy this decision that James Brago has to make when this problem arises. I think at this point, though, it's maybe one of those things where if Gordon Hayward's able to come back at some point in a regular season, you just kind of have to, and depending on where the standings are, you just got to take all your chips and push them all in and go all in on that starting five and see what happens. But when it comes playoff time, Miles Bridges coming off the bench, oh, that is a scary problem for another team to have. That would be a really big X factor going into any series if the Hornets are able to avoid the playing round, win the playing round, whatever it is, and go into a seven-game series against someone, I would not want to see Miles Bridges coming off that bench. And it's one of the hallmarks of this team, not just Miles, but Devontae and players up and down the roster, their unselfishness, their willingness to do what is needed to make the team better. Even LaMelo Ball. LaMelo Ball is the number three pick, could have easily come in and said, I'm the starter, I don't know what the heck is going on here, but I'm not dealing with this. He's had a great attitude all throughout. Everyone on this team has sacrificed something to take it from the squad that the experts pegged as a 24-25 win team to now holding a magic number in the low single digits closing in on a postseason appearance. First one in five years. We'll continue to talk about last night's game and continue to talk about the return of LaMelo Ball after this here on the Hornets Hivecast. Hornets fans, the buzz is building. For season ticket packages for the 2021-2022 season, call 704-HORNETS or visit hornets.com to chat live with a season ticket representative. Lock in your price today. LaMelo Ball made his triumphant return here with the Hornets. Sam Farber, Rob Longo here with you on the HHC. Rob, LaMelo in his absence. He missed 21 games. The team really did a good job of treading water, surviving. When he was injured, the team was one game under 500. When he returned, they were two games under 500. So, you know, not quite 500 basketball. They played an odd number of games. It would have been impossible for them to do that. But as close to it as you could have gotten 
with very difficult opponents and other injuries on top of LaMelo's. I thought the team did a really good job surviving, but now he clearly brings a new dimension to this team. Head coach James Borrego talked about what has changed now with LaMelo coming back into the fold. Yeah, I mean, he's given us great pace all year. He's one of the reasons why we were top three, top four team in pace all season. So it's good to have him back. We got some easy ones with him in transition. I expect it to only get better from here, but it was a breath of uh, fresh air just to have that jolt back in, in the gym for us. And all our guys have been playing with great pace. You know, we found our way again, playing pit with pace even before this, but Melo really takes us to another level in that regard. The pace was evident, I thought, throughout. LaMelo Ball's ability to get in there on deflections. He did have five turnovers. That's not shocking in his first game back, but eight assists. The ball was moving. They were creative passes. We'll talk more about that full-length uh, softball, bowling ball, whatever you want to call it, type of look he had to Miles Bridges, but he was really strong out there, and he had a, a number of quotes we want to tap into. Here's LaMelo about returning to the floor for the first time after a 21-game, month-and-a-half-long absence. I mean, I was just waiting for the game at the crib. Uh, talked to coach before the game, said I was cool, and just came here. Like, it was another game, like, same routine, like always, 4.30 walkthrough and stuff, so. I mean, it, to have, I guess, the blissful lack of awareness of how hard this is supposed to be. I mean, to be LaMelo Ball, to have it be normal. Like, yeah, I broke my wrist, so what? Time to play again. That's just LaMelo in a nutshell, I think, in that quote, because the question that we cut out was phrased as, did you have any anxiety? And he was like, anxiety? No, like, if one person in their entire life never had anxiety, it would probably be LaMelo Ball. Like, he's just so carefree, free-spirited, so happy, so upbeat that it's just, it's so great to see. But, yeah, I mean, the first couple minutes... It just seemed like it was maybe him kind of getting into a rhythm. I think he realized that the spotlight was on him. He was trying to get everybody involved. He played eight minutes in the first quarter. He only had two points. He only attempted one shot, and it was a easy little runner or layup into the lane when he was driving. Two rebounds, four assists. He ended up being a plus nine through those eight minutes while he was on the floor. And then it just got better from there at the end of the first half. 16 minutes, three of five shooting, seven points five rebounds, five assists, and he was plus 14. So you could tell just little by little, the longer the game went on, the stronger he got, and that's not a surprise coming from a guy like LaMelo Ball. I think it, it was almost a microcosm of his first half of the season because really early he was not looking that much for his shot. He was looking for other players, open opportunities. As the first half wore on, he more and more became his own individual offensive threat, and I thought that was the case last night as well. First quarter, he was mostly looking to pass. He was mostly looking for other players. As the night wore on, he started to look for his own three a little bit more. He started to look for his own drive a little bit more. 11 points on 4 of 10 shooting, that's fine. First game back, I think we're really going to see in the next couple of days here just how healthy is he is because he he every once in a while he'll he'll you know scratch at the wrist wrist if you will. We saw him with a towel over it at one point as was sitting on the bench in the fourth quarter there. It could be that he is still as as confident as he is, he's still, you know, somewhere in the back of his mind favoring it just a little bit. I put that in air quotes you can't see because it it's a podcast, but favoring it in the sense that, you know, he's not quite ready to let it rip. But if this is him not letting it rip, what you know? What's it going to look like when he does? The team with the win—they're now one game below 500. Lamelo's been talked about ad nauseum about rookie of the year status, about what his goals are. Here's how he answered that question after the game: There's just nine games left here. Uh, what matters to you down the stretch? Uh, 
making winning. the playoffs, uh, rookie of the year. Is that something that's on your mind? No, nah, mostly winning. And definitely it would be playoffs first, but mostly just winning, you know. I like that LaMelo, the one consistent answer that we've been able to get from him on what his overarching goals are as a basketball player is to be in the Hall of Fame, which in a certain respect is kind of a ridiculous answer because it's such a huge thing. I don't even know how to put it in perspective. I mean, like to, to be a Hall of Famer, it's so far down the road from 50 games into your rookie season. Like it's hard to fathom that, but that's how he already thinks. And he has this awareness that he's not going to get there simply by having a ton of assists or having a lot of points. He sees that pathway as winning, affecting winning, plain winning. And early in his career, he started on that path. Charlotte, in the history of basketball here from the NBA, has had two Rookie of the Year's. Larry Johnson and Emeka Okafor. Larry Johnson in a full 82-game season. You know how many wins they had with him as a rookie? If I had to guess, what year was that? That was 92. 92, I would say they probably had about 35 wins. They had 31. And today, in a shortened season, the Hornets had 31 wins. So, rookie of the year, the statistics, like those were different players. Okafor and Johnson both averaged double-doubles because – they were bigger guys, and they, they, you know, they just got more rebounds. For Lamelo, while he's not going to average a double double his rookie year, he's already affected winning more than those two players ever did. One of them, Larry Johnson, an all-time legend, and Emeka Okafor, very, very good NBA player. Hornets with this W now improved to 31 and 32. Right back at it again tonight. They'll play the Miami Heat. Important game. We'll talk about it next here on the Hornets Hivecast. Hornets fans, be sure to download the Hornets app on your mobile device. The Hornets app is your access to all new features and exclusive content, including the new game day experience for every game this season. Mello head up as he brings it up the floor. Live for Miles. There you go. Airbnb is back. LaMelo Ball and Miles Bridges, the Airbnb combo is back in effect. It was good to see it out there. First time, I think, as a a starting combo, potentially for a consistent amount here. We'll see how long it goes. We'll see if it's in effect tonight. Sam Farber, Rob Longo, here with you on the HHC. Rob, important game. Miami won yesterday as well. Both teams on night two of the back-to-back, but obviously Charlotte gets to play it from home. Miami has to travel in to the Queen City to play this one after getting a road win at Cleveland, 124-107. to They were trailing after a quarter, ended up getting the lead in the second quarter, and then gradually pulling away as the second half wore on. Miami is two and a half games ahead of Charlotte. The Hornets are two back in the loss column, which is really the one to focus on because the Hornets hold the tiebreaker already. So, you know, whatever happens tonight, they'll have that club in their bag. But obviously a win today would take them to just one back in the loss column. And consider this. The Hornets do have some difficult games on the horizon. They're going to have visits in from Denver. The Clippers are going to come to town, and they'll end the season with a trip to the Knicks and the Wizards, which could be meaningful games for both of those teams, which would mean they're not going to be walkover games, potentially, for the Hornets. But Miami, starting one week from today, has a four-game stretch where they're going to play two in Boston, host Philadelphia, and then visit Milwaukee. And we don't know how important those games will be to those teams at that point in time. Maybe Boston is still trying to remain out of the play-in tournament. Maybe Philadelphia is playing for the top seed. Maybe Milwaukee is playing for a top seed at that stage. 
lot can change in the matter of a week. But the short version of this is as follows. This can still turn in the Hornets' favor. They can end up in the seventh seed and at the very least be hosting however many play-in tournament games they have to play. The way that the schedule shakes out for all of these teams is really intriguing because, I mean, Miami it almost takes care of itself, too, because Miami still has to play Boston twice. So, And those two teams are, as of the standings going into today, those two teams are tied. And you know those two games are going to determine a tiebreaker. If those two teams get locked up with the same record, and then you know even if the Hornets are able to pick up a win tonight and to be what would end up being what a game and a half away from Miami, you know, and then if Miami and Boston beat up on each other, that's when that tiebreaker against the Celtics that the Hornets lost out on really comes into play. So and there's a ton to play for. I mean, Philadelphia is still trying to gun for that top spot. They're a half game back of Brooklyn. The only team that's kind of in purgatory right now standings wise is probably Milwaukee because they're three games behind Philly and then they have what is a four game cushion on the four spot. So Milwaukee is the only one team that can kind of maybe afford the rest some people, especially the way that they have been hit with injuries as of late. But these are all going to be meaningful games down the stretch. And I think this one is really important for the Hornets just because, again, you're trying to keep track of that top seven spot. The fact that you're able to get home court advantage through the playing round for however many games you need to get in that seven spot. You talked about it on the broadcast a little bit. Not so much worried about getting dragged down to that nine and ten spot because if you win, all that stuff takes care of itself. So this is the point of the season where you kind of root for chaos and hope that everybody above you just causes some sort of mayhem and maybe you're able to come out on top. I'm concerned about falling to the nine and ten because, you know, Washington, as crazy a season they've had, they still have Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook. That team has got some serious star power, which would come through, could come through in that type of format. And the Pacers, they're one of the surprises of the season that they're not in the top six right now. With the guys like Sabonis, the size that they bring, that's a team I don't think is a particularly strong matchup for the Hornets. So first off, with as good as those teams are, it is certainly conceivable, Pacers one game back right now, Wizards two games back right now, that in these final nine games, if the Hornets slip, one or both of those teams could catch Charlotte and make it that much more difficult for the Hornets, and you want two cracks at this. I think there is going to be a huge, huge advantage to being in that 7-8 game. I think, you know, as this plays out, if this repeats for years and years and years, I think in the first five years, we'll see clear evidence that the 7-8 seed teams are getting in, you know, both of them are advancing more often than not. So this is big. Not just my opinion on this. Miles Bridges uh, weighed in on the importance of tonight's game as well after last night's victory over Detroit. It was it was very important that we made a statement. Um, tomorrow's really going to be going to be the game to make a statement on. We we want to come in with top notch focus um, tomorrow against a very good Heat team. They're off a of back to back two, off a of back to back. So there's no excuses. We're going to come in, play our game, be physical, um, and try to come out with a W. It will be a big one. Biggest player you've got your eye on from the Heat for this one, Rob? It's so tough. I mean, you can obviously go with a guy like Jimmy Butler, who was kept in check with 15 points last night against Cleveland. But Duncan Robinson, he's just been a thorn in the side for the Hornets' last couple of games. He's a guy that can go out and hit a bunch of threes. He is now the fastest player in NBA history to reach 500 career three-pointers. He did it in 152 games. He finished with 20 points last night, but he was still a minus three and a plus minus. The guy that really scares me, and this was eye-popping when I looked at the box score, was 
Bam Adebayo. He had 13 points, 10 rebounds, 6 assists, and 4 steals. He was a plus 23 last night against the Cavs. So, you know, I, Bam is always one of those guys that you got to look out for. And hey, Malik Monk loves playing against Bam Adebayo. You remember what he said the last time and, you know, how Malik has played the last two games. Goes for a career high coming off the bench. Hits a dagger three in the corner to tie the game. And then the Hornets go on to win that one in overtime the first time around. Second time around, he goes off for 32 off the bench. That was a game high at that point. So, you know, the three-point shooting is probably going to be the key here. It is a make-or-miss league. You live by the three, you die by the three. So it might be a three-point competition between Duncan Robinson and Malik Monk maybe tomorrow night. Very well could end up being that. But I kind of went with one of your earlier responses. I think Bam Adebayo is really the guy to watch for in this one. He's just such a weapon out there. If he gets to... 11 or more rebounds in a game, this Miami team is very, very difficult to beat. He's had 21 games this year where he's had 11 or more rebounds. They're 15 and 6 in those games. So I think that is the key stat to watch. That is the key player to watch, keeping Bam Adebayo off the glass. Because, look, if if he's going to get to 11 rebounds, there's going to be a couple of those that are going to be offensive rebounds. They're going to lead to easy putbacks, easy extra points. He's going to offer some relief to the Duncan Robinsons, the Jimmy Butlers. It's going to make that a little bit easier for him. So if the Hornets continue to go small, Bam Adebayo is the most difficult player to guard on the floor. Not that P.J. Washington can't do it, but it's a more difficult matchup. So Bam Adebayo is the guy I'm watching on, and I'm watching his rebound column. If he can get to 11 or more, that could spell trouble for the Hornets. By the way, too, no Tyler Hero, no Victor Oladipo tonight. Those two guys did not travel with the team. Keep in mind, too, Miami's a little bit older. It'd be interesting to see what happens on the second night of a back-to-back. And, of course, the Hornets get to sleep in their own beds getting ready for it. The Heat had to travel in from Cleveland. All in all, really fun day for the Hornets. They get two of their stars back. Hopefully there'll be good news on Gordon Hayward in the not-too-distant future. All in all, though, the Hornets are looking up 31-32. and 32. The magic number continues to come down, and we'll see if the Hornets can't drop it a little bit further and climb closer to be one back in the lost column of Miami after tonight's game. For ticket information, go to Hornets.com. You can join us for the pregame fun starting at 7 p.m. on Sports Radio FNZ, and then I'll have the call starting at 8. Thanks to Rob Longo for the help at the production controls here on the Hornets Hivecast. Thanks to all of you for tuning in. For everyone here, I'm Sam Farber saying it's been a pleasure and a privilege having you with us on the HHC. And in the words of LaMelo Ball. Thank you. Have a good day. Wear your mask. Thanks for listening to the Hornets Hivecast. For more coverage, visit Hornets.com.